This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Should aged care residents be able to keep their pets? The idea of pets in aged care is being looked at as a part of the federal government's review into our aged care system. So, Jane McNaughton, we know that animals provide companionship, security, they improve our mental health and our well-being, especially for seniors. So on the surface, when you first hear this concept of allowing pets into aged care, it seems like a great idea. It seems like a no-brainer. But is it that simple? No, Rochelle, unfortunately it's not. Although we know all these fantastic benefits, logistically it can be really difficult. Mm. Who walks the pets, who takes care of them, who feeds them, who cleans up after them? And Staff in nursing homes are already incredibly stretched to care for the residents there, let alone their pets. So under this federal review, what will we need to do to make this a realistic option? And so if you think about it either as a resident yourself or maybe your parent or grandparent is going into aged care, is this a conversation that you've had with them? It's already a really emotional time when you're considering moving into aged care, obviously for the person that is making that move, but for everyone in the family. And then if you add another layer of that, like they can't take their pet with them, especially if they've lost their partner in life, if they've lost their husband or wife or partner, if then on top of it, Jane, you can't take your pet with you, we hear some really heartbreaking stories of people who maybe try to hide or not disclose an illness or maybe early signs of dementia just so that they think, well, I don't want to tell anyone because I will lose my dog, I'll lose my cat. And that can have huge mental health ramifications. There's a lot of people who rely on having these companionship animals as almost as their partner to the point where they will quite happily, you know, feed the dog or the cat before they'll feed themselves and things like that. So if you've got that level of care and emotion, it's almost like you've got, you know, another child. It's not an easy decision just to go, right, off we go to aged care when you're going to lose your best mate. Then when we already know the pressures that are put on to those that are working within the aged Mm. care sector, if you're listening to this, you might be thinking, how on earth am I going to look after somebody's dog or cat on top of the tasks that I already have? Today, let's try and pull this apart. We know on the surface it should be a great idea, but how realistic is it? And how could we make it work? What could we put into place? Could we and should we allow pets into aged care? On ABC Radio Melbourne. And Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt with you, Jane McNaughton, your co-host today, joining you from ABC Ballarat. And we're asking the question, should aged care residents be able to take their pets into aged care? It's a part of a review, a part of a government review. So is this something that you've discussed with a family member? Is this something that you've considered yourself? And if you work within the aged care sector, we'd love to hear from you as well. one 774 and you can text 0437-774-774. Already texts coming in on this saying it's absolutely possible and we should do everything we can to make it work. Only good aged care providers will try to make it work. Remember, these are people who have been locked away and need this alongside them. I, I just don't know how possible it is for every aged care and I don't know if it... I would dare say there would be aged care homes that want to do this, Jane, Mm. but then feel like, I just don't know how I could. And if you think about just the logistics of having any pet, if you take the pet out of their normal environment, out of their home, they might might not gel very well with the aged care environment. There's all of these difficult decisions that need to be made around, obviously, the empathy, the compassion for the animal, but... As we said, nurses are already overworked. So do we need to get someone else in, like a a third party to, you know, come and do a sweep of the uh, aged care facility to take care of the pets when the uh, residents maybe can't? Liz is called through. Liz, where are you? You're in Mawala, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, I have. What do you think? Um, Is this a good idea? Look, it's a fantastic idea, but... But mm. um, having worked in aged care and having to deal with animals that are um, not so much a residence animal but a facility animal, 
um, it just becomes ugly. There's people that just don't want to do anything for the animal. Therefore, you know, on my days off, was the animals being fed, you know, um, that type of thing. So it's um, really an extra whole level of yeah. uh, a burden, really, on the staff. It is, it is. And then the thought of being in an aged care facility with several dogs, several cats, I mean, yeah, really. Um, I just can't see it working, that people are bringing animals in. To visit on the short term, because I think that's possibly different, isn't it? There's a text here from Claire in Ballarat that says, no dramas about having permanent pets in aged care. My mum was in the dementia ward at Geelong where they were able to bring our dog, Snowy, in any time. Everybody loved visits from her. But just finally, Liz, that's Mm. different, I guess, isn't it? That's someone else bringing in a dog for a visit that they look after, that they then take home. And that works wonderfully well because yes if the person is attuned to the fact that they could go around and see people who are dog friendly and allow that uh, resident to you know pat the dog and love the dog that works well because the dog goes home and somebody else is caring for the dog we've got a text here liz saying that like employing a gardener a facility could employ a pet carer or something similar to that do you think that would be a realistic option for some aged care facilities liz um, I worked as a leisure and lifestyle in the aged care and uh, nine times out of ten it came down to me to do the, um, we had a bird in a cage and the bird in the cage ended up actually going home with somebody and I have a 19 year old cat that was initially when I started working in aged care was in the aged care facility but it was deemed that he was going to be a really big risk of tripping residents over because he was a kitten running up and down the hallways And Smokey came home with me and Smokey is still going, you know, I've now worked in aged care for 18 years. Um, So, yeah, um, it just doesn't work a lot. It doesn't work. Liz, really good to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much. Richard's in Warrnambool. Hi, Richard. Hi. Yeah, look, I've worked in aged care for 45 years. I've just recently retired. Um, I'm an occupational therapist by trade, but... And I've seen situations where uh, this has worked extremely well. Uh, the the times when it hasn't worked has been because staff regarded it as extra work for them. But we must remember that these facilities are the people's home. They're residents of a home. They're not patients. They're not inmates. They They are residents of a home. And in order to make it more of a home, they should have every right to have these kind of things the pets, so, the pets manage. Yep. Uh, have you actually seen this work successfully? I have in many different facilities. And, and what does that look like? Mm. How, how how does that logistically actually work to be a success? Well, in most of the situations where it's worked best, uh, volunteers have actually managed the, the the pets. It's dogs, cats, birds, and the, the residents love them and. Um, they are real fillip for the life of the residents who are uh, in dementia areas. Do you think it's something that the government, it's under review at the moment? Do you think, Richard, when they're considering all of the options, is it really going to come down to the aged care home itself, how big it is, how well-staffed it is, how eager, how pet-friendly the staff are? Well, yeah, they're all aspects of it, but it basically comes down to whether the management can be bothered making it a, a, an issue that um, this this place is not an institution that I have to run. This place is a home for many people and we need to make it as homely as we can. Yeah, good on you, Richard. Wonderful to hear from you as well. And I think on... I think everybody would want it to happen, Jane. Mm. Like, I I don't think anyone thinks, oh, God, that's a really crap idea. It's the logistics. I mean, there's a text here that says it's excellent in theory, but it just doesn't work in practice. And I hear everything that Richard just said. Yes, Mm. pets make it like a home. And I'm even against the word facility being used. You know, they're homes. homes. These are people's homes. And pets are a part of that. But... If you can't look after the pet, then whose responsibility does it become and how does it potentially then hurt somebody else? And it's we know that when people do enter into aged care homes that they 
can deteriorate. So you, you might bring the pet in being able to take care of it and then your health deteriorates and then it does become a bit logistically more difficult because what originally was a, you know, ticks every box ideal situation can very quickly unravel. This is the Conversation Hour. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Rochelle Hunt with you on Melbourne. Jane McNaughton joining you from ABC Ballarat. Here's an interesting perspective as well, Jane. Not everyone likes animals and may not want contact with them. My grand's dog visited her every week. She loved it and that would be under her feet, but that is a different matter. So that's the other thing you've got to consider as well are the other residents. You're sharing your home with other people. And they've also got a message in here from Kath saying her sister is very allergic to cats in, and that could be her home too. So we do have to think about this as a shared environment. Uh, we have got some uh, expertise on the line. We've got Dr Alicia Kennedy, vet in Geelong and founder of Cherish Pets on the line. Uh, Alicia, what do you th- what's your opinion on this? Uh, good morning. Thank you for having me on. This is my favourite topic, pets in aged care. Um, Look, I echoing Richard's comments that pets are such an intrinsic part of the fabric of healthy lives for individuals and communities and our elderly people have the right to keep them with them in their home, whether that's independently in the community or in in an aged care home. But it is extremely complex because you're talking about animals and people and no two situations are the same. So in the scenario of having uh, pets coming into aged care homes, it's not a one-size no, certainly not. I mean, here's just one of the texts of which we have, you know, almost hundreds at the moment. This just simply says, no way. I work in aged care. It's already a tripping hazard when therapy dogs visit. Dog leads are a tripping hazards. Dogs fighting. Residents fighting over their dogs and each other. Not every resident or staff likes dogs and cats. That's just one of them, Alicia. I mean, how... How do you navigate this if some people say, yes, this is great, this will help my health or my mum or dad's health, but then other people are saying, well, hang on a second, what right do I have here? I don't like dogs. Exactly. So most of our work is with elderly people that are still living independently in the community. And so our focus with our home uh, pet care assistance program is to help people stay independent and together with their pet for as long as possible and then to provide the support that they need as they navigate transition into respite care or short-term or long-term residential care. And so from our experience in this space, you, you have to really pay attention to planning and assessment around the individual animal, the the elderly person but also the facility and I think one of your guests later has got uh, a lot more experience in the aged care facility space Um, but as an example you cannot a, a lot of dogs in particular don't thrive in a aged care home so they don't like that environment and uh what one of the possible solutions that is a look, that was referred to before is the shared care option. So just yesterday I had a little dog come in who uh, her original human is now living in a nursing home and her volunteer who used to provide dog walking support while she was still living in the community now has uh, permanent care of this little dog and takes her in for visits and that's the kind of solution that we can be seeking as a community. Uh, back to Richard's comments earlier that it, it needs to be a community-focused response. It sounds like there's obviously a lot of positives there, Alicia, but we do have Bernadette from Point Cook on the line. Uh, what's your experience? I work in aged care and um, I, I, I love the interaction with people with pets, but there are a lot of people that really have problems with accepting pets, you know, coming close to them or being near them. Um, and there's a lot of aspects of having a pet live at the, the facility with the staff needing to have more training in how to be responsible and uh, be recorded as taking care of these pets as well. Uh, I'm in a, a multi-level facility, so it's um, difficult to think of pets on different levels and how we mm. would attune everyone with that on different levels. So that's interesting, Bernadette. I wonder, 
skipping forward, right, into our little time machine here of what would work and what wouldn't. And you mentioned different levels there. So could you hypothetically have almost like in the days where we had the smoking floor and the non-smoking floor, right, where you could have the pet floor and the non-pet floor, or would we ever see a time where some aged care homes were pet-friendly, almost like you have some hotels that are no children allowed and some children allowed, right? So could you have aged care homes where pets are allowed and aged care homes where you where they weren't, and then people could choose the home dependent on what suited them the most? Um, probably could work to some degree. Um, some animals don't get along. So if if you have a pet-friendly floor, um, some animals will not, other animals and cats and dogs will trigger them off and, and have problems with them as well. So probably an assessment needs to be involved and all that for the safety of the other residents because if one resident falls over another resident's dog for some reason, they've, you know, changed to a walking frame or they've got a walking stick, then that might trigger the animal as well. So there could be a problem that the other people moving into the facility have to, or their families, have to write an acceptance of this could be an OHS mm-hmm. issue, but who, who takes responsibility if something happens to the other residents? Bernadette, excellent point, Bernadette, there from Point Cook. I'd just like to put one of those points to you, Alicia Kennedy, you're a vet in Geelong. How big of a dynamic does uh, the animal's behaviour actually have mm. in this, whether that's the animal's behaviour towards other people or towards other yeah, pets? it's huge. And and um, I'm glad you asked me that question because it's one of the things I wanted to refer to. Um, not every, as I said before, not every dog is going to cope with being in an aged care home. And I think our approach because of their behaviour. So doing a health and behaviour assessment of animals before they're accepted into an aged care home should be mandatory in my opinion. And I do think we need to be leaning on volunteer organisations and and external support to manage the pets. I understand and I've heard the concerns that uh, staff in aged care homes have around another thing to have to look after. And that's certainly been our experience. We've supported multiple clients now when they've moved into a nursing home and there is often resistance. So we then become the pet care provider for that animal and we can, you know, with with a volunteer program, you can then bring in support so it's not a burden on the staff who, as somebody said earlier, their priority is the health and wellbeing of the, of the elderly human. Bearing in mind, though, we know as a fact that the human-animal bond is such a driver of human health and well-being and it can't be ignored in this space. So you mentioned in the introduction that people will avoid disclosing an illness because they're worried about being separated from their pet if they have to go into care. That is 100% a common thing. And as a community vet, I've had clients who I've got to know by looking after their dog who tell me that they're unwell and they're not going to tell their family and they're not going to tell their mm. doctor because they're worried about what's going to happen to their dog. And that was part of the reason why we started Cherish Pets was to fill that gap so that people have got that external support to help them. So essentially what we do is help them manage the health and well-being of their pet and support them through these phases of transition that are ine- inevitable as life happens. Alicia, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Dr. Alicia Kennedy, she is a vet in Geelong and also founder of Cherished Pets, which is a charity. It offers practical help and advice for those who are trying to keep their pets as they age. So maybe Cherished Pets is a site, if you're listening to this and thinking, gosh, this is something that I predict is going to be an issue for us and our family in the near future, then you can go and have a look at their website. And this is a text that's come in, Jane, that I thought we would get. And it says, let's fix a broken system before we add more pressure. And we're already Mm. hearing, although that being said, you know, we heard earlier from Richard who said, I've seen it work. So if you work in an aged care home where you've managed to make it work, we'd love to hear from you as well. one three hundred triple two seven seven four. 777 Levi's in Ballarat where Jane is. Hey, Levi. Hello. What did you want to say? Well, I work in the aged care. I'm a PCA um, here in Ballarat and a cat uh, that was for the facility. And we had a resident who came in who was able to bring their dog in with them because they were able to take care of it. Um, we, we have multiple 
people who are not comfortable with animals to begin with. And so we had staff members that wouldn't be able to work on the floor where they had um, the animals located. So a full uh, phobia had, of, of animals. Yeah, and we had people who were also allergic that were also scheduled to work on that same floor. So th- there's a lot to take in. And we really have to consider that we're already understaffed as it is. It's really hard to bring PCAs into the into aged care. It's really hard to get new blood in there without being nursing students leaving in a couple of years. So as a result of that, putting more pressure on top of it, we, we really need to, I concur with the text message, we really need to fix the system before adding yeah. in on top. Levi, really good to hear from you. Thank you. Angela's in queue. Hi, Ange. This is something that your family's been considering. Yes. Yes, well, actually, we did consider. My mum had to, um, not very long and um, before she had to move into aged care facility, uh, you know, the circumstances changed and she became quite ill. And we spent ages trying to find a place that would um, accommodate the cat and finally found one, which was great. But they did point out to me that it was very dependent on the availability of staff and you know mum adored this cat and and was a great companion for her but i mean the bottom line is and this is where i I really sort of sit on the fence a bit but the bottom line is that a cat needs you know kitty litter changed every day or it Mm. becomes really smelly and horrible and 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 look they were wonderful but then mum's health deteriorated further and we had to move her to a different facility with a bit more care and they said no we can't have the cat um and that was um, and so we ended up having to, unfortunately, give away the cat to someone else. And my mother was devastated. And she's yeah. gone downhill ever since, really, oh. because it was her companion. And and But I can see it from the other side, too. I think, you know, the staff are so, so busy trying to just look after the humans that they just wouldn't have had the time to look after the cat as well. So... I see it from both angles and it's devastating for mum. And, and look, the, the, the facility where she is now does have a, a companion dog that comes to visit, but she doesn't like dogs. So wow. <laughs> that doesn't work. I know. It's so complicated, isn't it? I mean, I, this review, this government review that's happening at the moment, it's going to take a long time. And I don't know at the end, let's be honest, I don't know if anyone or everyone is going to be happy Almost what I was alluding to before, though, Jane, of maybe we actually do need to separate them. So, yes, there will be aged care homes that are pet-friendly and those that aren't. I mean, there's a text that says, I'd like to see aged care homes built with vet and childcare included. This would permit approved interaction between aged residents and various animals and child programs for greater stimulation. So it's almost like if we're going to do it, then it needs to be built. It needs to be purpose built for that yeah you can't just go chuck a dog into a nursing home and just you know see how it goes i think yeah and also having a probably appropriate veterinary care i think something that is probably overlooked a little bit here too we were speaking with alicia kennedy earlier from cherished pets so just spitballing but if you if you did have a volunteer organization or a charity that went around between different age facilities and you know actually checked on the pets because if you're not able to physically take care of yourself your pet's health might also deteriorate and there could be uh, negative animal welfare outcomes of that as well so you've got to really have dedicated people to take care of the residents and dedicated people to take care yeah. of the pets this text it seems to me it's all about the inconvenience for the home and not the emotional well-being of the residents this is the conversation hour on abc radio melbourne and victoria Rochelle Hunt with you in Melbourne, Jane McNaughton joining you from ABC Ballarat. Ron's called in from Aubrey. Good morning. How are you this morning? Very well. What, have you got a dog with you in aged care? I do. I've, I'm, not, I'm not actually being cared for as much as in units, in uh, you know, self-maintained, self-care uh, units. Right, so, so like an assisted have, home, yeah. Yeah. We have a, a lot of people here, old people, people that I don't like very much at all. I'm, I'm afraid I'm, I'm an old fart that doesn't like my own kind. But you like your dog, obviously. So how, do, how I love, important I is... My, I love my dog. He travelled back in 2019. He travelled to Japan with me on board uh, the uh, airliner alongside me. So he's trained to that degree of, uh, of uh, assistance. What's your dog's name? Uh, What's your dog's name? Artie. 
Artie is his name, and he loves to hear his name, especially when my sister's on the phone. You can probably hear us calling out his name now. So, Ron, how important is it to have Artie with you, especially as you age? Well, as I age, I, I, I went into a lot of depression. That's why I finished up in Japan and I was tra- trapped there for 16 months and Artie saved my life on many occasions. And we know but that I- for PTSD and especially for those who have served, dogs and assistance dogs are just so important. And, Ron, you raise such a good point there that there's another level again of there's those who love their dogs. But then for you, Ron, and for with Artie, there's a point where you need your dogs so that you need a home that will help you and that will assist you there. Of course, always if you need help and you need to speak to someone, Lifeline is 13 11 14. But Jane, you know, when we're talking about the importance of a dog, you know, we haven't even considered that that element to a, a growing movement of assistance dogs beyond vision. This is something that people are using for PTSD and our returned servicemen and women. Yeah, and that's obviously got, in addition to the companionship, there's a, there's a whole other level that is well above my pay grade to discuss of um, me- benefits to mental health as well. And as we mentioned, Lifeline is available on 13 11 14 if you or a family member does need some crisis support. Darren Mitchley is the CEO of the Chaffee Aged Care Home in Meribyn. And Meribyn already is kind of thinking outside the square. Darren, you're an intergenerational aged care home so you've got child care and aged care within the same home are you ready to add animals to that list as well <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi yes we are um we we actually have historically had a range of different pets in our facility at the moment we're taking a little break whilst we evaluate how we can do that better but we, we have had an amazing program with our intergenerational program within our facility where we actually had um, our children together with their grand friends hatch some eggs in an incubator oh. and it was a lovely experience and we we watched the the embryos develop in the eggs through the different phases we watched the chicks hatch together and we had a very special time with the children and their care recipients handling um, the, the newborn chicks over over a couple of weeks um, they really got a lot of enjoyment and those chicks were then rehomed, most of which went to the families of the children who, who had hatched them in the intergenerational program. So that was a lovely experience. And from that, we're planning to have a chicken pen in our intergenerational space um, uh, and to hatch some, some eggs again to supply us the chickens to have in our little chicken pen. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're in a rural environment. Everyone has grown up with chickens in, mm. in our aged care facility. And, uh, yeah, so it was a lovely experience. And the, the older care recipients, the grandfriends, the children would talk about their experiences of raising chickens and collecting eggs with the children in the early learning centre. So it was just a joyous experience for everybody. So, Darren, it really does sound like, whether it's chickens or dogs or cats, that having an animal uh, available in a home can actually be a really good way for residents to bond as well, to have conversations, whether it be with younger generations or, you know, someone across the hall they might not have spoken to unless they asked what the dog's name was. Well, there are those benefits and there are so many more. What, what we see with older people um, is a very high degree of loneliness and social isolation and pets go a long way to, um, to addressing a lot of those issues uh, of loneliness and isolation. But even more, you know, pets provide um, amazing physiotherapy. Just the act of stroking or patting a pet gets a care recipient moving. A pet can motivate a care recipient to go for a walk. And, of course, in older people... Um, one of the things we're trying so desperately to preserve is function and keep people moving mm. because when they stop moving, their, out, their health outcomes become much poorer. <clears throat> so pets go a long way to doing that. But, of course, 
you know, we have to be very cognizant of the needs of pets in aged care homes as well and because there, there's a lot of issues that need to be well planned. Well, for. that's what I was thinking and this is what lots of people have raised those issues today and they're still coming through. Another from D. what about outdoor areas? What's available? Where do dogs even get taken for walks? If the residents can't do it themselves, it could be very confusing and stressful for the animal. So as well, and as we started this program, Darren, we know all of the health benefits for those who love dogs and who have dogs as close companions but for you the reality of running an aged care home you've got hallways you know you've got potentially labradors running down hallways you've got the mess you know of the business that animals do i'm trying to find a polite way of saying that or dogs not necessarily getting along with dogs cats not getting along with dogs and vice versa i mean you could just create a nightmare for yourself yeah, and, and I guess that's something that aged care providers have to be quite cognizant of. You know, pets pets have have needs too, and we have a duty of care not only to our care recipients and visitors and our staff, but we have a duty of care to pets that we bring into an aged care facility as well. And I can tell you that every every aged care facility I've ever come into contact with has had who has had a dog. It has been a morbidly obese dog because the dog is fed um, by care recipients who will hide, take food from their own plates and, and they, will, they will hide that food in their wheelie walkers and in their handbags and um, in their pockets and they will feed the dog. And so the dog often gets quite morbidly obese and has there's a serious health issues that, that come from that mm. for pets as well. And not to mention the, the fact that the human's possibly not getting the food that they Absolutely. need. Absolutely, because one of the biggest issues in aged care is weight loss for the care recipients and we try desperately to try and maintain and to, to keep weight on care recipients. Um, so it doesn't help if they're putting their food away to give to the dog and, of course, the food that they are giving the dog is not nutritionally complete. So they'll be giving the best part. They might be giving you know, the roast meat or, or but they might also be giving things that dogs shouldn't eat, such as chocolate. So you know, there are those issues as well. Um, but also, you know, the, the point about dogs being able to have outdoor time, which is important. Um, also, the ability to create time and space for animals to have time away from care recipients. We're an aged care facility of 100 care recipients, and you can imagine how much love gets doted on a, on a pet in a facility such as, such as ours. So it's really important to create the space and time for a pet to have some time away from that. Um, so it can be quite overwhelming for the animal as well, by the sounds of it, Darren. Yeah, yeah, it can. And then there are the other issues about the care needs of the animal. You know, one of the issues in, in aged care is we have staff coming and going across various shifts. Who, someone has to be responsible for the care of the animal. Um, and it, you know, when you don't have a staff member on every single day and an animal's there, that means it needs to be a number of people. It needs to be well-coordinated. The design of buildings needs to be taken into mm. account. Doors need to be put into place. Uh, and then you have visiting pets that come in. And, and as you raised before, the conflict that can happen between two animals who may be territorial. And just but also one of, the, one of the things to consider is the behaviour of the animal. And you know, an yes. organisation has to have well-formed behavioural management plans to address specific behaviours of the animal. Yeah, we've had um, people talk about that, saying that there's actually ways that you can strictly assess to make sure that certain animals are suitable. Just finally, Darren, is there another solution here that possibly isn't real-life pets? Is there such a future in something like e-pets? There is. There is, and it's actually a thing. There there are actually e-pets. Um, and I think moving forward, we're going, we're going to see the rise and rise of robotics in aged care environments. We already have um, realistic-looking um, pets, um, who, which will be might be a cat or a dog, which is essentially um, an animal, um, a toy animal, like a teddy bear. Um, that's made very realistically, and we have older people, particularly those with dementia, who who will love and dote on on these pets, and they give them great comfort, even though they uh, the stuffed toy animal um, versions don't can't respond. Uh, we, moving forward, we'll be looking at, at where robotics can that they can interact 
at a level with with aged care recipients and, and offer a degree of comfort and support there uh, yeah. and help to manage behaviours in, in older people. So, you know, the, the, the future has lots of possibilities, but I think moving forward into the more immediate future, I think that as aged care providers and as an industry, we need to be looking at building design that can I support... I think that's where it comes down to, isn't it? It's, it's redesigning them. I think simply bringing them into how homes are designed at the moment. That's where we're going to get into trouble. Darren, thank you so much for your time and your insights. We appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Darren Midgley there is the CEO of Chafee Aged Care in Melbourne. Already thinking outside the square there, Jane, as they're intergenerational. They have childcare and chickens. <laughs> Just not dogs and cats at the moment. Maurice, or Marie, apologies, is in Eltham. Good morning. Good morning. Just a couple of concerns. Um, I'm an able-bodied visitor and one recent experience at a facility, you know, you have to have your temperature taken and a little machine and you've got to mm. get your face just so. I stepped back, stepped onto a little dog and the staff person said, oh my goodness, did you get a fright? And I said, no, but I could have fallen over. So that was really, really worrying. And the second one, another uh, facility, a resident care dog, a Labrador, was chasing a ball thrown to him by residents, careering around other residents on walking frames, whatever. So I, I suppose my point is they have to be tethered or on a lead or something. Just having animals with a Labrador careering around, literally chasing the ball, and the, the little dog that I didn't even see behind me that I stepped back onto. So just two areas of mm. concern for residents and visitors. Marie, both very good points there. Marie from Eltham. I think Helen from Leopold might have a slightly different view. Uh, Helen, you're, you've got a special someone in the car on the way to a nursing home, I believe. I'm actually on the way back, and yes, I have my Ridgeback in the car. I've just been to southern New South Wales to visit my stepfather, who's in a wonderful residential aged care home. They don't allow um, residents to have their pets there, but they do have a dog that comes in every day, and visitors are allowed to bring their dogs in, providing they're on a lead and well-behaved. So I took my dog in a couple of times while I was up there, and she loves going in. And my stepfather loves seeing her um, and really engages well with her and gets a lot of pleasure out of um, having a dog being there as mm. well. Now, a Ridgeback, so that's quite a big dog. You know, this is bring, taking a, a large animal into an aged care home. How do other residents respond, Helen? Well, it's not a huge um, aged care home, so there's probably only about 10 to 12 residents there, I think, and some of them are more mobile than others, but the residents that do see her and the staff love having a pet with her, and she, my dog reacts very well with people. She's very friendly, uh, very well behaved and very well trained, and I think that's um, something that really has to be considered as well you know you've got to look at the personality of your dog and how they're going to fit in there as well good on you nothing like traveling with a ridgeback in the car helen <laughs> are they well behaved in the car yes yes she's lovely she's asleep on the back <laughs> oh good all right until you say her name no doubt let's have a chat to joe joe's in orbost hi joe hi um there's something I haven't heard you mention, and that's the fact that cats and dogs molt, and that fur would get all over the bedding, all over the person, all over the premises. You'd have um, very angry cleaners. You know, Joe, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the first thing I thought of as a young woman that grew up with a chinchilla cat who went to school oh, every day yeah. with white hair on my school uniform. Yeah. I'm I just, I can't, I get the idea of molting animals now just gives me shivers. So I think that would be a big issue. Yeah, I think it would. And I think it would be a health issue too. I can't have cats near me because I'm asthmatic. I'd love to have a pet, but at 73, it's just not practical. And, and, and I have nature. I have the birds outside. They come and talk to me. They sing for me. The kookaburras start at 5am. <laughs> and Joe, what's, what's your living situation? Are you, are you considering going into a nursing home? Oh, no, I'm going to die long before that. <laughs> <laughs> and nice and clean too, with no hair from any animals. Joe, good on you. Lovely to speak with you. Thank you. Steve's in Phillip Island. Hi, Steve. 
Hi, how are you going? Good. What do you think? Um, so I have this border collie who is lovely and quiet and calm and spectacular. Um, and I'd love to get him into old people's homes or like hospitals or whatever. Is there a process that I need to go through to get accreditation or that my dog needs to be vetted for something or is, is there something that I need to do? From the sounds of it, uh, Steve, it, dep- it it sort of seems to depend on the nursing home itself. It, it, just from anecdotally what we've heard today, mm. uh, there's different processes uh, for people who can or cannot have pets and then some suggestions earlier about ha- having to have something like you just mentioned, some sort of vetting process so that you can ensure that your yeah. animal is appropriate and well-behaved. Stay listening because our next guest might be able to help you, Steve, but it's a really good point as well. How do you know if, if your pet is right? What do you think? Should we be allowing pets in aged care? Is it that simple? ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Michelle Hunt in Melbourne, Jane McNaughton with you on ABC Ballarat. Lots of different ideas and thoughts around this, Jane. One that says, it's quite a long text, but the first line is saying, at my friend's aged care retirement village, the rule is no dogs over knee high without permission. So, But then we heard earlier from our caller that she nearly tripped over a small dog. So I, uh, are small dogs any less of a problem? I don't know. There's also another message here saying ages ago, uh, this person had a retriever called Desi from seeing eye dogs who failed her test to become an assistance animal in that regard and went on to work at a dementia facility. The patients would talk to the pets, whereas they would not talk to other patients. And the nurses appreciated the dog because when things got tough as they imagined would in a, a dementia facility, they could take Desi for a walk and debrief that way too. So there can actually be some... We've been speaking about some of the difficulties for staff around trying to care for the animal, but maybe some staff would actually enjoy having that little bit of a break. That's it. I mean, I think we all know emotionally that it's a good idea. It's the logistics that we're trying to work out. And, you know, hopefully now with the government review that they're looking... I don't think we need to figure out whether or not it's good for people. I think if you want animals there and it is good for you, then that's that's the case. It's how do we keep people safe? And if those who are also living with you don't want animals, how do we ensure, you know, the rights and the well-being of everyone in that home? Trish Ennis is the CEO of the Companion Animal Network. Trish, your network, it offers everything from free resources, including pet policies and guidelines for those who are aged care providers. So those that are listening now can probably should jump onto the Companion Animal Network's website to get some information. Now, you've also been running a a review or a survey for the federal government for their review. What sort of things are you asking people? What would you like to contribute to the review? Uh, Hi, and thank you for having me. Um, We are running this review or survey and it would be for people in home care, trying to get home care support, uh, people with pets in, that are live, still living at home, residential care, so finding residential places that take pets and talking to them, and then general public. And so if people could get online and give us the information, that would be fantastic. We'll compile it all and go to government with the stories and with the data to prove that this is possible. Um, one of the places that we work very closely with is an aged care facility that uh, does allow pets. Uh, she's gone through or they've gone through a lot of work with setting up policies uh, and rules and regulations, basically, mm. to allow pets in. I've been down there uh, many a time and, my goodness, does that work. They have two cats uh two dogs at the moment, or three cats, two dogs, and one's uh, Alsatian cross. So how does it work? What makes it work? Because we've heard today lots of people saying, yeah, it's a great idea in theory, but it's just not realistic. How are they making it work? Well, to start off with, I think that you have to pass um, a variety of questions prior to allowing this. Um, the, The animal has to be assessed by a vet and a behaviourist. Uh, prior to going in or being allowed in. There has to be rules around if the person becomes unwell or can't look at after that animal, there has to be someone that can take that animal. 
Um, for instance, if someone goes into hospital for any reason, uh, there's got to be somewhere that they can send the animal for respite until that person returns. The person has to be well enough to look after that animal themselves. For instance, if it's cat um, or dog, they've got to feed them. Cat, they change the kitty litter. Uh, dogs, they walk outside. Uh, cats normally stay in the room. Um, however, you know, they can have outside areas. They encourage, you know, cat scratching posts and exercise, exercise areas. Uh, and the dogs, they have to be able to walk the dogs themselves. But right. often, as Alicia has, is uh, dog walkers and um, support people to come in and help. And we've been speaking a lot about the physical and mental benefits of uh, having animals around for some people to their health. A lot of aged care facilities are businesses. At the end of the day, you need to have a... Um, bottom line that's successful to keep the business running to keep caring for these people but how much money do you think could actually be saved by having someone who is uh stimulated mentally and physically by an animal in in, uh, in their home oh a massive amount of money we've done studies um in the past and it is just uh unbelievably mounting mental health alone that is saved is astronomical so yeah you just can't go past that do you know at the moment trish with the federal government review looking into pets into aged care what are they considering what i mean what are they looking at at the moment well what we've put a um a proposal to them and this is one which is basically focused on um at this stage uh pets or getting support for home care packages but what they're looking at is the possibility now if they can save money on people's mental health and physical health because they have pets and it is proven that people uh, do work better if they have uh, well they walk their dogs they get up they've got something to do mentally they've got their best friend with them uh, so yeah so if that's going to help them that will end up saving the government a hell of a lot of money in the healthcare system. And Rhonda, we've got a text in here, f uh, sorry, and uh, Trish, we've got a text in here from Rhonda saying that pets are not just cats or dogs, think outside the square. From my personal experience living in uh, an apartment in Melbourne coming from a farm, I really needed to have animals around me and I actually got pet rats they're it's <laughs> I, hear me out there if when you when you actually care for them uh correctly they're quite clean um they have similar sort of bonding with humans and each other that dogs do so would having maybe smaller animals around that you can contain to one room you can still bond with and that's not going to cause tripping hazards or anything like that maybe we, if we just thought outside the box a bit about what kinds rats. of animals we could have rats in aged care is that what you're saying Jane? <laughs> domestic rats i'm not saying i'm not saying have a, have a plague situation but uh yeah if you, if you could have sort of smaller animals that are uh, quite happy just to stay in one room because that's enough space for them is that potentially another option oh absolutely absolutely well we've found with the um life view again uh yes we're talking about uh fish birds I haven't really spoken about rats, but they don't normally take snakes. <laughs> oh, God. You've lost me. You lost me at snakes and, uh, snakes and rats. Snakes. <laughs> but, yeah, they've got limitations. But, um, yes, if there's a domesticated-style animal that would stay in one room and probably caged if it was a rat um, or a guinea pig or whatever, it would just, uh, be up. Yeah. Yeah, be up to the, the nursing home. Well, you're doing an incredible amount of work and the resources and all, I guess, the questions that we've raised today, a lot of those can be answered on your website. It is the Companion Animal Network. Trish Ennis is the CEO of that network. Trish, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks very much. Barry's called through from Melbourne. Hi, Barry. Hi, Rich. How are you going? Good. What's it's a say? long time, first time. Ah, oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. I used to be a volunteer with uh, Delta Society. I used to uh, take my two dogs into a nursing home a couple of times a week and just mix with the residents, and they absolutely loved it. What made you do that, Barry? Oh, just just something to do. Just I thought I'd you know, give something back to you know local community, and um, yeah, it's just a nice thing to do. I'm actually a trainer, so it was sort of good to do that sort of stuff, just to you know, have another experience. 
But all sorts of people, even from really, really mentally disabled to quite with it, but they loved it. And being a trainer, you'd obviously be uh, quite uh, good at assessing an animal's behaviour. So is, is it is it all animals that can go in or is it, do you think that there does have to be a behavioural aspect to checking if they're appropriate? Yeah, well, we actually went through a bit of a, a training program before we did it to assess whether they're suitable or not. And that was quite extensive and that was really good. And you, you sort of know yourself the right sort of dog, but you, you kept them under control the whole time, getting them to sit and, and things like that. And, you know, the, the, People just enjoy just ha- having them around oh, and handling them. And, and like do you that. think the dogs liked it, Barry? Like, you know, whenever you think, oh, your children are generally well-behaved and then the one time you want them to be super well-behaved, they act out and you're saying to people, I swear, they never normally do this. <laughs> Did they Not behave really. for you? Yeah, yeah, great. Because they're my own dogs. So I, I, I knew how to read them and things like that. And they just generally sat down and people used to handle them and pat them. And they would, you know, lie down and just, they're quite calm, which is probably the secret, having a calm dog and a dog that's just going to be just chill out there. And, and you're obviously monitoring them and you, you keep an eye on what goes on and stuff. So they're the right sort of dogs as well. So you Barry, to, it's all about the right type. Barry, it sounds like in the background there that they're ready to um, get a bit more of your attention as well. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll let you go. But Barry, thank you so much for your Thanks, contribution Rich. today. Good Sorry. on you, Barry. Thank you. I mean, that's one of the solutions, isn't it, for people to bring in their pets I think for many, though, they want their pets. Theirs. Yeah. With them. Their mate. That's it. And how possible, how feasible is that? Who knows yet? I mean, it, what I've kind of taken from today is that it, it might be for some, it may not be for others. It depends on how big the home is. It depends on whether or not you're going to have volunteers there to help out. Also, the state of the resident, you know, how mobile are you? How big is the animal? But maybe in the future, and a part of the government review that's happening at the moment, Jane, the future of how we build these homes, yes. then then it might be simpler. I don't know. And as some people have said, maybe there's a whole new industry, right? And so you've got people who work in aged care, but just look, looking after the... The pets. Themselves. Yeah. And I think it does need to be a, a quite holistic solution. And really what I've taken from a lot of this as well is that if you want to do this, you need to have a plan. There's got to be a plan in place for what is going to happen with the resident's health, what's going to happen with the animal's health. And if either one of those go downhill, whose responsibility is yeah, this? Absolutely. Jane McNaughton, as always, joining us from ABC Ballarat. Thank you. We'll speak to you in a couple of weeks' time. Tomorrow, your co-host will be Warwick Long. Was and I tomorrow, we're looking at well how we manage traffic congestion. And we're not just talking about here in the CBD. We are getting traffic congestion, traffic jams in the outer suburbs of Melbourne and in regional Victoria. A lot of it comes down to a lot of road maintenance and roads that aren't being fixed, but also how how we're designing housing estates. Housing estates are all across Victoria at the moment and quite often there's one road in and one road out. And for some residents, it's taking them up to an hour just to get out of their own housing estate. So that's tomorrow, of course. You can always jump onto the ABC Listen app, download the Conversation Hour podcast if you want to listen to more. But until then, I'll speak to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.